0: Uh, I like to be prepared, as I'm sure many of you do. I like knowing what's coming. I like knowing what's ahead of me. I like having a plan and feeling confident that I'm ready for what comes ahead. I like being prepared. But, as we all know, it takes a lot of work to be prepared. And if there's anything in life that takes a lot of work to be prepared for, it's the arrival of... A baby, can I get a witness? (laughs) Um, It's a lot of work to prepare for the arrival of a baby, especially when you're preparing for the arrival of your first child. There's so much that goes into preparing for your first child. Uh, if you've never done this before, prepare to go a little bit mental when you prepare for your first child. You, you, you do all manner of things you wouldn't normally do to prepare for anything else on the planet. There's so much that goes on. You've got to make sure that your house is big enough and clean enough and, well, maybe pretty enough even because, as we all know, newborns are very, uh, very persnickety about good design, apparently. <laughs> Sticklers for good design. Or at least all your Pinterest friends and Instagram friends are uh, sticklers for design. So you clean and you scrub and you paint. Some of us take down walls. Some of us put up new walls. We go through the house and throw out all this old needless stuff we don't think we'll need. And then we go out and we buy we buy all manner of brand new stuff that we are sure that we're going to need. New cups and plates and passies and blankets and clothes and toys and chairs and a bed. And then you buy portable versions of all of those. (laughs) Cups and plates, beds, etc. It's a lot of work preparing for a child. And honestly, it can drive you a little bit crazy. Uh, You may even find yourself doing weird things that you thought no respectable male would ever do, like setting up a Pinterest board that's called uh, Baby Room Ideas. (laughs) Any other guys out there? No? No? party of one right here <coughs> preparing for your first child can drive you a little bit crazy and we haven't even talked about the hospital experience <laughs> right like when you get to the hospital you want everything to be immaculately clean like like brand new clean you start thinking crazy stuff when you arrive at the hospital like why wouldn't they retile this floor for the arrival of this of this majestic being who holds my dna Maybe that's another Scott-only thing. <laughs> but I'm not just exaggerating. You start to think crazy thoughts when you're over-preparing for a baby. And I'm not exaggerating. We have taken baby preparation in this country to an unprecedented level of crazy. Parents Magazine reports that most parents in the United States spend between seven to $10,000 on a baby. Check this out. Before it arrives. Who are these people? Whether you spend $100, $1,000, or $10,000, it's easy to go a little bit crazy in preparation for a baby because when you have a baby, you want to be ready. You want to be prepared. (laughs) And yet, now we're preaching, when you have a baby, you can't possibly be prepared. You can't possibly be prepared. All the preparation in the world won't get you ready. Which is to say, We live in a world that teaches us falsehoods about what it means to be prepared for the arrival of a baby. Mary and Joseph wanted to be prepared for this baby. But there were lots of things working against them in being prepared. And and I want you to view this Christmas story tonight with a bit of a fresh perspective, just a little bit of a different way of thinking about this story, because there's a tension in this text that we easily miss. We're so familiar with this Christmas story. It's easy for us to hear this text again that I just read and that we're going to read again here, Luke 2. And, And it's easy for us to think, yeah, yeah, I know how this goes. I know where this heads. I know the ending to this. No room in the inn. Born in a stable, God came as a baby, and then the shepherds and the wise men visit, and they stand behind Mary, and they sing, Mary, did you know? (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's exactly how it happened. (laughs) Then they gather, they drink eggnog and exchange presents. That's not how it happened. I know we've all heard this story before. But spend a few minutes with me here in Luke 2, and and while we're reading, I want you to identify with their concern to take care of this baby in in even very practical kinds of ways. I want you to identify with their concern to provide practical care for this newborn baby because there's a lesson for us to learn about what's most important at Christmas. Jump in at verse 1 with me at Luke 2. We're not going to spend a lot of time as we usually do on Sundays. Hint, hint, come back. But here's what it says in Luke 2, 1 to 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now, this was a typical census, C-E-N-S-U-S, account of all the people. This was a typical census that helped the Roman government know a couple things. Number one, how many to enlist in the government's military. And then secondly, how they should tax their people, which was a lot. So that's kind of the context culturally. Verse 2, keep reading. This was the first registration, it's another word for census, count. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Now if I'm Joseph, and I'm trying to drive my pregnant wife to the hospital... Uh, via a donkey, I guess. If I'm Joseph and I'm trying to drive my pregnant wife to the hospital, this is a major roadblock, right? (laughs) This is a major detour. This whole census thing. This is like living in Jonesboro, picking up your hospital bag to to hoof it to the hospital, only to be told when you get to the end of your street, listen, (laughs) you're going to have to go have this baby in Knoxville. That's about the distance that they had to cover here. It's about the same distance. Mary and Joseph had to travel on foot 90 miles while pregnant. Luke is cluing us in here in the text into the roadblocks that they were experiencing on the way to having this child. Just look at verse 5. It says, Joseph was traveling from Nazareth to Bethlehem to be registered with Mary It says, his betrothed, his engaged, who was with child. Verse 5 here is a summary of the complications they were facing here. Not only did they have to register for this census, but Joseph and Mary are engaged and they're pregnant, which in Jewish culture was a big time no-no. So much so that Joseph had been considering ways to sort of quietly divorce Mary off to the side, uh, so as to not bring any more shame on their families or their households. And and not only that, but look at verse 6. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. (laughs) If I'm Joseph, I'm like, really? The baby's here now? Like, while while we're in Bethlehem? So verse 7. She gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths. This is like receiving blankets uh, that were wrapped around a baby uh, to keep it warm and to give it a sense of of security uh, and warmth. It was a sense that this baby's going to be taken care of. That's what swaddling cloths are for. According to Luke here, this baby wrap, this swaddling cloth thing here is the only thing in their hospital bag. Think about that. It's the only thing they took with them. So it says she she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and then verse 7 says, and laid him in a manger, a feeding trough for animals, because there was no place for them in the inn. So they're traveling on foot while pregnant and engaged for a census in a crowded city where there's no lodging. And when it comes time to have this baby, <laughs> there is no room, no doctor, no family, no friends, no bed. The outlets were exposed and they hadn't baby proofed the stable. No baby monitor, no prenatal care like we know of it. A simple, humble, Quiet, drafty, thoroughly ill equipped barn. (laughs) On that first night, there was just Mary, Joseph, Jesus, and blankets. Friends, apparently, God doesn't prepare for a baby quite the same way we do, it doesn't require passes and formula. All it requires in God's economy (laughs) is the tender love of a mom and a dad whose hearts are ready to care for this baby. The most practical thing was the most fundamentally important thing to raise this baby. Love is what was required to prepare for this baby. You see, friends, ultimately, love is what makes this baby grow. And this isn't just warm, fuzzy theory on Christmas Eve. Check this out. Brain science has begun to show that during pregnancy, before the baby even arrives, the parts of a mother's brain that are associated with perceiving the feelings and the perspectives of others change in size and structure. Which is to say that God has hardwired moms to respond to the needs of their baby. Just, Just think about this for a second with me here. Of all the living beings on the planet, a human baby is the most Helpless. A baby is is virtually immobile. It can't move. It can't speak. It can't feed itself. It's basically entirely limited in its ability to act with purpose. This baby's very survival is 100% dependent upon another human being to care for it. If a baby is not cared for in practical terms by the love and nurture and tender care of a mom or a dad, this baby will die. Which is why I say that love is what is required to prepare for a baby. Love is what makes this little baby and, and Joseph and Mary were prepared in the most important way. Their hearts were ready to care for this child. Just think about this for a second. Infinite, holy, perfect creator God of the universe established His kingdom The birth of a baby that is so helpless and weak. That is so helpless and weak. That requires the love of a mother and a father for his survival and growth. The arrival of the Messiah as a baby means that the kingdom of God came as a sneak attack. Nobody saw the kingdom of God coming with this kind of weakness and humility. The kind of weakness and humility that just requires love from the heart of God to care for this baby. Tonight, friends, tonight, friends, the kingdom of God coming into your heart requires the same simple readiness exhibited by Mary and Joseph over 2,000 years ago. Romans 10, 9, and 10 say that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10 says, For with the heart one believes. With the heart one believes and is justified. Is is counted as righteous before God. And with the mouth... One confesses and is saved. The question for you, for me, for us tonight, this Christmas, is are you ready to receive this baby? Do you love this baby? Let's pray, friends.